welcome to another episode of NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsey, and we're here for a Teamless Tuesday edition of the All-Stars Podcast, and I'm joined here with Supercoach Royalty, the stats man, Matty Person. How are you doing tonight, Perso? Yeah, good, Barnsey. Yourself, mate? I'm good, but I'm pretty scared, mate. I'm a bit scared about this <laughs> team list today. <laughs> uh, absolutely flabbergasted. Yeah, I don't think in recent memory I can remember a team list Tuesday for round one being more all over the shop to what people thought it was going to be than what this one was. Nah, and uh, distinct lack of cheapies as well, especially in the backs. May well be that uh, year of the mid-ranger that people have been talking about for years. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Everything comes around. Like, it's been, you know, so many years that have gone past. And you and me have spoken about this in prior years. You go, oh, there's not going to be any cheapies, I'm calling it. There's not going to be any centre-wing cheapies, you know, and then all of a sudden round one comes and two or three appear and you go, oh, everyone was worrying for no reason. And this year, it's actually happened and no one was even thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're always in the mentality now. Is, oh, it'll happen. It happens every year. They'll come along, and uh, they haven't. <laughs> so it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say, I, I think it's going to be really interesting, which is good. Teamless Tuesdays like Christmas normally for super coaches everywhere, but the the only thing with it the last few years is it gets a bit boring because um, not too many changes have to be made, I guess, and a lot of people end up just grabbing the same cheapies. But this time around, it's, it's kind of exciting because I think there's going to be quite a few different teams, quite a few people might be forced into some mistakes that they wouldn't normally make and um, quite a few big decisions to make. So why don't we um, roll into it? Me and Perso are going to go through Teamless Tuesday in its entirety. We'll start off game by game and highlight some of the big changes and things that are talking points. The first game of the round is going to be the Dragons versus Broncos on Thursday night. Pretty good game to start off the round. Dragons and Broncos normally get it on pretty well have a little bit of a rivalry going, but the Dragons, we'll start off with them. They have pretty much lined up how it was kind of recently expected in the last couple of weeks, a few little changes from where it was maybe out a month or two ago, but all in all, reasonably similar starting lineup to what we thought the whole time. I guess the big change per so is the makeup of this bench is interesting and it's going to maybe play a little bit of... Uh, well, it's going to be a little bit haphazard for the starters in the pack, potentially. We've got number 14 is Lua. Number 15, we've got Kurt Mann as a utility on the bench. 16 was Lisa Armel, And then uh, 17, Hame Sele. So what do you take out of that bench for the Dragons? Yeah, it's an interesting bench. It reeks of big minutes for James Graham and uh, Jack Bellin, really. Tarek Sims being named on the, on the edge. Replacing Thompson wasn't really a surprise. Whether he spends the whole game there, it will probably depend on how many minutes Frizzell plays. But he's got the, uh, towards back end last year, Sims was starting at prop and then finishing the game and uh, on the edge and playing 80 minutes. So whether he swaps and changes again like last year, not really sure. With Waylura on the bench, you'd imagine he's going to take some minutes on the edge somewhere. Kurt Mann, the utility on the bench, Lisa Armour, he always... Starts off the season slow with minutes. He's never a big minute player at the start of the year. So they're really, uh, it looks like uh, James Graham and DeBellin will both get 60 plus minutes, you'd imagine. Yeah, I think so as well. And that really puts them back into calculations. I mean, I've, I've had both of them throughout the preseason. And um, James Graham, I just sort of thought, oh, look, he might be looking at 55 minutes. And I don't think I can really do it for that. It's a little bit Joe average, you know, solid low 50s to mid 50s. But, um, 
at 60 minutes, he's going to hit 60 points and that starts to become a lot more appealing. And then, you know, JDB, I've had him down on my side about three times in the last month and I really wanted to keep him, but I just, you know, chose the likes of Nathan Brown, Merrin and um, Papali over him. And now I think I'm going to have to give him another second thought here. So, yeah, I think he comes in the calculations. Always good pod. He started last season on fire too, so, and uh, I think Dragons will start all right this season as well. Yeah, I do as well. I really like the look at their side. Um, I guess one question for you, Perso, with looking at that forward pack that we were talking about. Even though they've got, uh, I guess, Kurt Mann on the bench, it really throws out the forward minutes. Tyson Frizzell, Tarek Sims and DeBellin can all play big minutes in the middle, all three of them. Do you think that maybe James Graham might be a little trappish if we're hoping for 60, could potentially still get 50 or something or 55? Because, you know, with Tariq or even Frizzell moving into the middle or Jabellin pushing up to prop? Yeah, that's the risk with um, both. Both um, Sims and Frizzell capable of playing in the middle as well. It just depends what Mary's going to do. You just don't know. Like, uh, as well, with a few of the other sides, the Dragons probably a little bit more set than other teams. Some other teams' rotations is an absolute guesswork. So I think Graham will get pretty decent minutes. I don't... Uh, he's gone to the Dragons, so I think he'll be their main guy. Vaughan doesn't play big minutes. The Bellin will get about his 65 as usual. So I think Graham will be around a bit similar. Yeah, so we've got Graham penciled in as probably the big winner from TLT at the moment for the Dragons pack. Do you see any big movers in the back line? I mean, it was pretty stock standard to what we thought, though, so value, I guess, remains pretty steady. Yeah, that's bog standard. There was um, no, no surprises at all there. Yeah, well, we might talk. And uh, pods, but um, it's uh, <laughs> take it your own peril, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't go near. Um, a lot of guys around the traps are talking about Dufty, and he's probably a pretty astute buy. I just couldn't do it with the fullbacks that are around, and even with him starting there, it's it's still too hard for me to fit him in. But let's go over to a more interesting side. Let's talk about their opposition, the Brisbane Broncos team, because they had quite a few changes. I mean, probably the biggest thing is um, I think you and me both thought that the male lately was Sam Thiday would start at nine to ease McCulloch in off the bench, and then Mac has just turned up as the starting hooker and Thiday starting at prop, which... I actually thought if, if Thiday, once Thiday moved from that nine spot, he was actually going to be on the bench. And I thought Ben had had that chat with him last year. That's where he was going to finish his career. But he's starting at number 10, and that put TPJ, Tavita Pangai Jr., back to the bench, which was a guy that a lot of us were on and I was really big on as well. Alex Glenn comes in off the bench and, and plays on that edge on that 11 jersey, which I wasn't quite sure about happening either. So the forward pack really seems all over the place, but it really reeks of... Wayne Bennett playing mind games, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I totally expect McCullough to go back to the bench, Thorne to start at hook, and TPJ uh, to start at prop. Come um, game time, but since we've got a strong male in the quarters, that's what will happen, and it won't surprise me at all. He shuffled around all year last year with um, Sims and Thorne. I mean, even Corbin Sims might come in and start instead of TPJ, but um, I don't think you'll find Thorne starting. I think McCullough will come off the bench if he's fit enough to play. There's still uh, Mail around that he might not even be ready, so I expect a bit of a change there. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the thing that sort of made me pause with TPJ as well was um, the bloke that you mentioned, Corbin Sibbs. He started last year and he was actually really good for him, I thought. Probably had his best season. So, I mean, I was sort of worried with them both on the bench now. You know, I was assuming that TPJ would go in and probably get that number 10 jersey, but um, now I'm a little bit worried that Corbin Sims might take it. Are you? 
Are you on TPJ at the moment, or are you thinking about putting him back in? Currently, I'm not. I haven't done him with a lot of interest. Um, still watching him, though. 2.4% ownership uh, currently. I just noticed as well whether people have dropped him because he's on the bench or whatever. But um, he'll definitely improve over last year. He's in coin making it in. It's just if you could get sort of 45 minutes, you'd, you'd, you'd love to see it. But um, Corbin Sims was quite often named on the bench last year and starting in a, in a bench number. So I've, I've got no confidence really that um, <laughs> who's going to start as the other prop apart from Matt Lodge. Yeah, well, I don't think it'll be Thordo. Uh, whether it's Sims or TPJ, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Bennett likes to screw us around every every single season, and he's starting off from round one this year, so at least he's consistent. Jaden Sewer is a guy that's pretty highly touted. He got the number seventeen jumper, which is interesting. I wasn't sure whether he was going to get there or not. I thought he was probably going to, but then there was other mail saying that he he wouldn't, and he's one to keep an eye on maybe. But with that bench. I mean, his four forwards on the bench has really made me pretty gun-shy from um, grabbing any of the Broncos aside from Lodge, to be honest, as far as that pack goes. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Barnes. You know, I can't go near any of them. So obviously, Gillard will play 80 minutes and could be a decent pod, but um, as far as any of the other middle forwards go, I, I don't see any improvement in them. Nah, I agree. And so, I mean, looking at the back line, I think the, the main news is uh, Jermaine Asako. Uh, got his wing spot, which is really nice. It was mailed just a couple of weeks ago that he wasn't going to get it, and he was playing fullback in the um, the New South Wales Cup team and stuff. And then he snagged the spot, so that's really quite good. Corey Oates is obviously back on the wing as we expected, but I think most people have to have uh, Asako Asako in their team now. Yeah, with the lack of cheapies, you're probably going to have to take a punt on him, but um, he's no guarantee to be in the side for too long with Jack Bird coming back. Um, Kahu will probably drop back to the wing so it'd be interesting to see what happens there maybe he might keep his spot notes might move to the forwards as well whether it's been touted so it's another unknown but with a distinct lack of cheapies in the centre wing you've got to have him yeah that's right it's pretty much out of necessity isn't it I mean it's it's a difference between doing that or spending the extra 80 grand on a Peter Hickey or something if you don't have him and for round one a lot of teams just can't do that they just need a few of those cheapies so He's probably going. To, he's going to be in my side just because of that reason. The other guy in the uh, in the backs that's worth probably talking about. Well, as far as potentially coming in is, um, I could see something like Wayne Bennett because Wayne Bennett does this sort of stuff all the time. Jonas Pearson was was rumoured to be on that wing for a little while, probably two and a half months ago. Tom Opasic was uh, meant to be in the side as well. I'm a bit worried about Asako, I guess, not even with Bird coming back, but just Wayne Bennett deciding next week, oh, well, I'm going to put Jonas Pearson in to give him a go. Or even just before this lockout, I'm going to put Pearson on the wing and take Asako out. There's, there's so many concerns on TLT this, this year, and um, the Broncos have offered up a lot of questions, that's for sure. Yeah, that won't surprise me at all. <laughs> Naming um, Overtich or Opeche, whoever you say his bloody name, and uh, Pearson on the bench. Extended bench with Bio then came in and uh, Sarko sat out the first week. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, and it's just like way better to do that. I guess the saving grace with both this Dragons and Broncos team is um, they do play first, so you're going to know before lockout what's happening and you can change your team just before it happens, which is a plus. Too bad it's not a couple of the other teams actually playing first because a few of the other ones we probably need to know more than what we do the Dragons and Broncos, to be honest. But 
Yeah. Was there anything else that you saw in the Broncos team that piqued your interest, per se? No, not really. That's pretty well everything. Yeah, well, we'll move on to the Knights versus Eagles then. Uh, again, a lot of, uh, lot of things to talk about on this one. So this is our Friday night game, and the Knights team, I guess the, the big talking points are going to be in that forward rotation again, which seems like the case with a lot of these teams. Herman SESA got the starting uh, prop spot, which I wasn't expecting. Slade Griffin slots in at number nine with uh, Levi in reserve grade, um, which has come out in the last sort of 24, 48 hours is happening. And other than that, we've got Brock Lamb being confirmed as a bench utility, I guess. But Nathan Brown's come out and said that Brock will probably play in the halves and um, they'll move Connor Watson into number nine. And a lot of people are talking about whether Watson's worth it anymore or not. So and then you've got the co-captain, Jamie Bureau, who I thought might have been able to still sneak in on that edge spot on the bench as well. So... Um, yeah, it's a few changes here. I guess for me, per se, the, the big forward ones are I'm going to have to have a hard look at Herman SSA. I think he's going to come into calculations, particularly with only a three-forward bench and only two of those forwards being able to play in the middle. And then other than that, I have had a sneaky look at Slade Griffin for 250k as well. Yeah, probably um, no interest in SSA. If anyone benefits out of that, I reckon it'll be Barnett. Yeah. But um, it's, it's an absolute look for you. Again, there's so many games at the time. So one of the biggest turnovers of the players over the season. So how, um, how Nathan Brown exactly goes about it, I'm not sure. Poynton um, is all middle these days. Jamie Bure is the one. That's uh, what happens to him. The um, Fitzgibbon and Guerra play 80 and Bure plays middle and a bit of hooker and a bit of lock. Or, or does Fitzgibbon or Guerra get a spell? Really don't know. Cy Ferdy off the bench was playing about 50 minutes a game last year as well, so he could potentially still play dozen minutes off the bench. Lilliman's only good for about 45, 50 minutes early on. He builds into his minutes, much like Armour. Um, Slade Griffin probably plays the role that Bureau played last year. I would have thought until Levi didn't get named on the bench, so I don't know. Does, does Griffin get half dozen minutes this year? Is Barnett going to play hooker? Does uh, the team change beforehand? Lamb starts, Watson goes to the bench, and Watson's the bench hooker. There's so many unknowns at night. They're a nightmare. Yeah, I, I didn't see as many unknowns as this when um, before TLT. I really thought it was you know reasonably straightforward, but Nathan Brown likes to throw a few spanners around. I mean, I think for me, I, I had a look at Slade Griffin, and I think a lot of people have. I've seen a heap of people throwing him in their team now and trying to make room for him. Basically, I had a look at him, and within 10 minutes, I said, what are you doing, Barnsley? Because I had to pull, had to basically downgrade two players to slightly lesser players just to find the money to go from a Havili to a, a Slade Griffin. And after I did it, I looked at it and went, why am I paying you know, 75k more for Slade Griffin when he's probably got just as much risk as what Havili does, if not more, and I have to pay an extra 75k for him? I'd rather bomb out. On a, you know, minimum price to Vili, then have to spend 250k on a Slate Griffin and bomb out on that. So that's kind of where I got to with the Slate Griffin sweepstakes. I um, was on him for all of five minutes and then went, nah, I can't do it. Um, like you said, per se, Jamie Bure is there that can go into hooker. Brock Lamb can, you know, they might put him in a hooker, but more than likely what looks like is going to happen is he's going to go in on the halves and um, Connor Watson will probably go into hooker. And maybe that's only 15 or 20 minutes a game just to keep Brock Lamb happy, do you think? 
Oh, you wouldn't know. Brock Lamb was get, going along pretty well towards the end of last year. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a late change and Lamb starts and Watson goes to the bench. You'd, you'd, especially Nathan Brown likes to swap around all the things. So. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's an interesting yeah. one to talk about as well. I mean, a lot of guys sort of jumped off Watson, and I I was the odd man out in a couple of groups that I was talking about um, Watson on where I, I actually didn't see that much risk with Watson. And, yeah, my theory is that what Brown said all off-season, Watson's getting first crack and I'm going to give him a good crack at the number six jersey. That's his. He's already got it. And that was before any trials or anything. And then Watson only left the Brewsters, which I know full well because I was crying in my pillow that night because he wanted a uh, because he wanted a starting spot and the Roosters couldn't give it to him and he didn't want to be a bench utility. So I'd be really surprised, especially early on, if um, Brown turned around after promising this guy in the preseason and also signing him on the basis that he was going to start and giving him a 500k a year plus contract, that he's just going to throw him on the bench round one. You know, like that just doesn't make sense to me. But then again, you know, coaches often don't make sense to me, so I'm probably wrong. Yeah, I heard no with Nathan Brown. Oh, <laughs> well, Watson's a super talent, and uh, I reckon he deserves the crack at six. But who knows what he's going to do? That's a, the problem is now he's got that many options. The sides a lot better than it was. It's just it's an absolute pure guess to try and pick what he's going to do. Yeah, I think it's going to be a. Um, that's the other thing as well. It's a good point, per So when you're guessing so much like this, I guess um, it's good just to ease back and say, hang on. I can make these trades, you know, in a couple of weeks or something if anything big happens and just fix it up then. I don't need to risk it for round one. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Knights pack, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a watch and see. If you gamble or not, as we'll talk about with the rest of the side, there's so many gambles. The guys that gamble correctly will be um, flying up the ranks early on. Those that don't will be struggling. But uh, if you play it safe somewhere, it just depends on what you want to do. If you're playing safe, you probably go all right. But... Um, Taking those risks, it's just who you're going to target. <laughs> so potentially, there's so many players that can have um, really good seasons this year, and then at the same time, they could flop. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think that we can pretty much skip past there at the Knights backline because it, unlike their pack and bench, is lined up exactly as we thought. So there's not too much to talk about there, and everyone's prices and um, I guess their, I guess the level of interest remains about the same as what it was before today. So let's talk about the Sea Eagles now. The Sea Eagles had Lachlan Croker named, which was good for everyone. Pretty much, I don't see any way that you can't have Croker in there with the lack of cheapies, like you said, Perso. He's he's pretty close to a must-have, isn't he? No, he's an absolute must-have. With lack of cheapies, there's about three cheapies that are absolute must-haves, and he's one of them. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of when Ben Hunt came on the scene. You remember that year when a few people that were pretty well-known super coaches around the traps wouldn't didn't get Ben Hunt in? And then refused to, and then he went on that season and ended up being worth like 500 grand or something. Yeah. That was the same season as Georgie Burgess, I think. The only decent season he had. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and then didn't he rope a few super coaches in to kill him for a couple of years after that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the rest of the back line is pretty much as, as per program. So the forward pack, again, is the one where we've got a, a couple of little changes. Dina Fanua Blake is the starting prop. Uh, with Darcy Lussick out for a little while. He's one that was a little bit interesting. I was I was looking at him a little bit in the preseason because um, I mentioned on one of the earlier pods with Billy that Trent Barrett's talked him up quite a bit and sort of said that he's he's the guy with the most potential out of our forwards and the you know the guy that, that can step up and go to another level and all that stuff and he's going to get opportunities. So I wouldn't be surprised actually if uh, Fanuel Blake kept that number eight jersey and Lussick just went back to the bench. 
Yeah, depending on how long Lutchik's out, we think he's um, definitely coming back on the bench. But that bench is interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Lewis, Lewis Brown, Sean Lane, uh, Winterstein. Tegenoa. So you, that reeks of, um, I mean, massive. Well, obviously, Travoyevich will play 80, and uh, Tapao will probably have um, 65-ish minutes as well, you would think, which he usually did last year when Lutchik was out. So, but Bill Blake still looks like he should probably get decent minutes there if the bench stays that way. But Sean Lane, Lewis Brown, and Winnerstein. Lane and Winnerstein played edge last year. Lewis Brown just fills in as a bit of a utility and alarmingly zoned by 10% at the moment as well, which is ridiculously high for a bum like him. But yeah, to me, that looks like Tapao and uh, Tavoyevich are massive winners from that bench. Lewis Brown is owned by 10% of coaches. That might be the stat. Of coaches. I couldn't believe it when I was looking. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the stat of the night, per se. I don't think we're going to be able to top that. I didn't even have a look at that because it was Lewis Brown. And I, you know, it's one of those numbers you don't even bother to look at. Hey, I thought Lewis Brown would have um, been over in England this year. That's how good I think Lewis Brown is. But um, yeah, by comparison, uh, to Powers, five point eight percent. Lewis Brown's <laughs> double ownership, basically. <laughs> Well, I think probably a lot of people are expecting Lewis Brown, I guess, to spell Coruscant and to get back row minutes and stuff. But uh, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I could very much see um, when you have a look at the extended reserves, and this is the important thing when you're when we're not talking about the first game. Everyone having a look at the team list, they need to look at the extended benches because there's so much that can happen with this manly side. The the couple because of because Rusty or whatever his name is, the, the former Rabbitoh and uh, Lloyd Perrett won't surprise me. One of those comes in for at least one of those comes in for oh. Lane or Winterstone. Oh, for sure. And I mean, like even like even Tanganoa. Like I mean, Brad Parker played a few games last year in first grade. Jack G, who you mentioned, is um is a good player, but particularly the other two, I'm really worried about Lloyd Perrett. Lloyd Perrett, I looked at as a buyer about three separate occasions last year, and I think he got injured one, and he wasn't getting the minutes the other. But he um he had some really good games where he made a lot of impact and stuff. So I'm pretty surprised that someone like Tanganoa, who hasn't been in the Manly side at all before, could push someone like Lloyd Perrot out, who's been an up-and-comer for a couple of years now. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Lloyd Perrot comes in. And Sean, or, Sean Lane is also a perennial underperformer. And the other one as well is Jackson Hastings. I mean, I if, if, if Hastings wasn't anywhere there and I was a... I was thinking about Appy Coruscant. I'd probably be having a look and seeing if I could maybe fit him on my team and whether it would be worth it as a pod. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jackson Hastings ends up in Lewis Brown's jumper there or something like that and just sneaks his way in and just screws everyone over. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise at all, especially considering um, the Eagles don't really have a goal kicker either. Yeah. Anything can happen with that bench. Honestly, I can't see him starting with the Brown Lane and Winterstone. Some one of those three at least will drop out. You would think. Yeah, I think so too. That's why I'm pretty scared um, of that side. So you reckon the the winners out of this one are going to be Tapao and Trebojevic, but probably to a lesser extent because he's already going to get big minutes, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, I agree. I do like Fanua Blake. I'm going to keep my eye on him. I'm not going to get him just yet, but um, I'm going to be watching his minutes and stuff. With that back, back, back lunch, sorry, Matthew Wright got the centre spot. So that's probably the only other thing that was sort of not definite. Everything else pretty much falls in line. So about what we expected, Persa. Yeah, pretty much. And they're all pretty well 
irrelevant apart from uh, Turbo at fullback, I suppose. You're a brave man if you take any of your Tafuas, your Artos, Kelly, Wright, those sort of guys. They're all low ownership for a reason. Yeah, definitely. I was the Aquila Uate president of the uh, number one fan club for about three years straight, about five years ago. And um, then he just burned me so badly. And last year, I remember I traded him out like a couple of hours before round one. And I can't believe that last year was the year that he actually came through. <laughs> so I, uh, I, don't even, I don't even want to see him on a team list, mate. I don't even want to see him in the league anymore. He just yeah. killed me last year, not having him and watching him actually do something. But um, yeah, like he's they're, he, all, they're all too awkwardly priced this year to consider, really. Well, that's the I mean, thing. If Wright was kicking goals, you might have a half a sneaky look at him. But um, I got my doubts as to how well Manly's going to go as well. So I don't know. I can't really go near him. Bit of a watch. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Manly's going to start off pretty slow, and I wouldn't be surprised if they miss the eight. They, um, I think they overperformed last year pretty significantly. No one expected them to go as well as what they did. This year, I think they're going to underperform. And that whole back line, aside from maybe DCE and obviously Croker, that one through five, I think, are all probably overpriced to what their out what their output's actually going to be. So, yep, I'm steering clear. Let's uh, move on to the Cowboys versus Sharks. This one's going to be a real boring chat because Cowboys versus Sharks, pretty much out of any of the teams, were the ones that lined up basically like we thought they were going to. So. The Cowboys team, um, I guess a big change, we've known about this for a couple of days, that uh, Lachlan Coote's injured. So we've got Ben Hampton going in at fullback. Pretty irrelevant, though, as far as super coach goes. We've known for a little while that Linnett's, Kane Linnett's injured fairly long-term enough for Jarvid Bowen to get some opportunity. And I spoke about Bowen a couple of podcasts ago on going through the Cowboys saying I'd I didn't really have any interest at 356k because I didn't see much different to, say, Peter Hiku for significantly less, but I understand that you were having a hard look at Jarvid Bowen first, so with him definitely there, is he in your team at the moment? Yeah, he's not in the team at the moment because I haven't looked at the bloody team since January. <laughs> really, <laughs> but um, he's under consideration, that's for sure. Um, uh, not last year, the year before. He was technically a 60-60 gun, from, but he didn't sort of qualify with uh, like a game or two short, then he played a seven or eight game, so... But he's um, he, when he got the opportunity when Lynette was injured last time, he performed really well. But um, having to that as well, his base stats are pretty good. But the Cowboys have got a pretty tricky draw early on. They might, well, I'm not saying the Cowboys will lose, but they're not going to be playing some high-scoring games early. But uh, you could take a punt with you. I'd rather bow than he could, to be honest. That's for sure. But um, would I rather pay 356k for Bowen or? Maybe fork out a little bit more for a um, uh, Ewan Aiken, which is only like 50k more. I don't know. But uh, he's one I'm tossing around at the moment, especially with uh, Nofa Lima not getting named. So, yeah. That's a, a topic for a, a couple of games ahead. But um, he's a massive pod, David Bowen. Yeah, well, I actually even um, felt a bit dirty that I looked at Antonio Winterstein, but it was just because he, he was also, you know. <laughs> 80 grand cheaper than Bowen or something like that. But, yeah, I, I haven't got any any Cowboys in the back line aside from Thurston, and his stock obviously doesn't change one way or another regardless of anything. So um, the other thing that's um, pretty much stock standard is also the Ford pack. It's lined up exactly how we thought. I guess for me the thing that I took out of it is um, Martin being in the number 14 jumper. So it means they've only got three Fords on the bench with um, 
uh, Hess, Bolton and Asiata, all of which we expected. But with only those three forwards on the bench, do you see that positively impacting the outlook of any of those starting forwards at all? Nah, not at all. It's uh, three middle forwards and a uh, bench utility, as expected. So Cooper and Lowe probably continue to play 80 minutes. Hess has moved to the middle last year, so Bolton, Hess and Asiata. So if anything, it looks like Tom Alala definitely won't be playing big minutes. He'll play standard sort of 55-ish. Scott coming back, McLean, they're all sort of... Scott and McLean, yeah, I can't really see much value out of any of them. I reckon we'll probably be a guy you'll want on your side at some stage, but I'd, I'm quite happy to leave him out to start with. Yeah, I'm very happy to leave him out to start with. I can see him being very disappointing for his price tag. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on all of that. I guess the only ones that might... um. Might end up interesting. Is I could see, uh, relative to price, a Gavin Cooper going on a bit of a run, or even an Ethan Lay going on a bit of a run. But not that I'm going to go near them for round one. The the other good thing about the Cowboys team is their extended bench really doesn't hold, I guess, any concern for anyone. Um, so that's one of the other things too. I think that they're pretty much going to line up one to seventeen. So if you are picking any of them, you can pretty much be set that they're they're going to be fine. The Sharks team. Yeah, that's pretty much one thing. Uh, yeah, they're pretty much stock standard. Uh, Green won't show. If anything, Jensen might come in for Asiata or something, but so it'll be insignificant. Probably one of the only sides that's yeah. um, got an insignificant extended bench. Yeah, I think it's pretty much the only one. Um, the, the Sharks team that we're going into that they're up against is, um, is, is relatively what we thought it was going to be. Well, pretty much exactly what we thought it was going to be for the starting 13. And... They do have a bit more of an interesting extended bench, and that was the thing that was interesting to me. So the thing that stood out is that they've got their extended bench of jumpers 18 through to 21, has guys like uh, Kurt Capewell, who really came on last year and I thought would have gotten that jersey, certainly ahead of a Joseph Paulo, who's in the number 17 jumper. Aaron Gray, jumper 20, he was in a bit of a battle with Katoa, and Katoa's obviously... Won that one at the moment based on everything that's been talked about, but you know they paid a bit of coin for Aaron Gray, and he. I, it wouldn't be surprising in other teams to see Aaron Gray thrown in instead of Katoa or something like that to screw everyone over. But generally speaking, the Sharks don't do that sort of thing. They they normally stick to what they've what they've planned, so that probably won't happen. Trent Hodgkinson's in jumper twenty one. Interesting that he's sniffing around. I think that that's more going to change probably down the track, if anything, per se. Yeah, I think that's just sort of an, an on-notice type thing. Flano's usually pretty staunch when he comes to those things. I'm, I, I think you find Katoa's pretty safe. The interesting one for me, I don't think Paul will be in the sword come round one. Well, he really, think, sh- he really uh, should have been. Nah. I think you'll find that there's a little bit of mail around that the Kurt Dillon will start. will get a start on the bench. So I think it might be him that comes in for Paul Owen to have um, three middle forwards and see which uh, one peculiar is capable of playing on the edge or the middle as well, so if Lewis needs a spell. But um, all that reads for me is that uh, Paul Gowan will get the same minutes he was getting last year, which is good enough for him. And uh, for Fida, you'd probably see his decent minutes as well. Yeah, when I saw that bench, um, I probably didn't change my view on any of the Ford pack. It's probably all pretty much the same, like you said. I guess the, the big takeaway... For it, and it is one of the more boring teams to have a look at. One of the more boring matchups the Cowboys versus Sharks, as far as the changes. Katoa's Katoa's an absolute must-have to me. Oh, for sure. 
there's um, apart from that, there's not too many really supercoach relevant players out of the sword. So you got your guns in Gallon and JT, and and uh, then your Cheapy and Katara. And apart from that, really, Tomalala uh, oh, if you like him, but um, not doing really. No, not much doing. So let's move on. The next matchup we got is uh, Perso versus Barnsley at ANZ Stadium, four thirty PM Saturday, mate. <laughs> yeah, not looking forward to that, mate, at all. <laughs> Perso- Absolutely zero confidence. It'll, it'll be a bar. <laughs> well, fun- side again. Fun- I think I've got to transport back to about nineteen eighty-eight before I can uh, go back to where the Tigers had something over the roosters. <laughs> well, funnily enough, I'm the opposite to you, mate. I can't wait for kick off. I reckon we're going to go great on Saturday. <laughs> oh, I bet you're itching at it. You don't score 40 points, I'm not sitting here. I've got no confidence at all in Tigers. Mate, the biggest, um, the biggest advice I could give our listeners out there for this one is that you can still get the Roosters at $1.76 minus 9.5 points at Sports Tab. I'd run and grab that right now. Yeah, that's massive overs too. Oh, I'm all over it. <laughs> Jump on it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's go through the Tigers team first. There has been a, a few changes here, so it is quite interesting. In the back line, the big one is obviously, as Perso mentioned, David Nofaluma is out, dropped, uh, and uh, Corey Thompson and MWZ are taking the wing spots uh, with Masters and Kevin Aquama in the centres. So there was a few question marks over the makeup of the side, and Nofo was a big casualty as far as the back line goes. In the forwards, there was a couple of Lesser bombshells, but still big changes nonetheless. Peter Godinay is in at number nine, starting hooker. And the other one is Robbie Rochelle is uh, in at the uh, number 12 jersey, which I didn't see coming either, with Chris McQueen making his way back through reserve grade. So on the bench as well, it's probably pretty close to how we thought. We've got Benji Marshall, Alex Twell, Michael Cheekham, and Matt Eisenhuth. One of my favourite Tigers. Extended bench, though, we have jumpers 18 to 21, all very scary for anyone in that whole Tigers team. <laughs> Matt McCurick, <Yeah>. David Nofaluma, <laughs> Tim Grant, Tarn Milne. Mate, any one of those 18 to 21 could go in and just take anyone's jumper, pretty much. Oh, that, that extended bench is scary as a closet full of clowns, I'm telling you. It's um, a little challenge. <laughs> That side's going to change massively before um, before kickoff. I could literally see. I could literally see. And Thompson goes back to fullback, and Nopo has a late inclusion, and it's just there's so many grey areas with that side. Ridiculous. Yeah. Gordon over the bench, Taylor the hooker. <laughs> Who knows what Cleary's playing at with that. No, and look, Lola is but meant to have been out of favour for months now and he just turns up as a starting number one and um, there was some teamly circulating for the New South Wales Cup that had him at fullback just a couple of days ago. So, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. I think let's concentrate on a couple that are the big talking points. Peter Godinay is a guy um, kind of like Slade Griffin that a few people ran to and went, oh, well, that might be better than Havili. I see it as a little bit of a trap. I, I looked at this one as well and and got worried from multiple angles. One, because Cleary's clearly just going to make whatever changes he wants, um, and that could happen at the drop of a hat. So I could see any any one of Elijah Taylor, 
moving into hooker, even to start with, and Godinay getting benched. I could see Benji Marshall coming on and Josh Reynolds going into hooker for an extended stint. If that happens as well, I've said for a while, I think Josh Reynolds is a much better hooker than what he than what he would be in the halves. So, I mean, something like that could stick pretty early or at least cut Godinay's minutes down to like 40 minutes a game or something. And it's just there's so many different angles that could just butcher Peter Godinay. And let's face it, he hasn't been... He's been around for a few years, but he hasn't been able to be an NRL starting hooker. So, yeah, I, I can't really go near him. And likewise for Robbie Rochelle, or Rocco, however you want to pronounce his name, he um, he, uh, he he's you know been spoken about about five years ago as being a guy that might make some money. And he's just he's had a few different clubs now, and he hasn't been able to stick anywhere. And Chris McQueen got what a one point two million dollar deal over three years, which is Crazy, and um, he's sitting in reserve grade, so surely he comes back and takes his spot. But even if he doesn't, you've got guys like Matt Eisenhuth, who might be your best forward person, who's sitting at number 17. So, I mean, I, I could see any of those things happening to um, to ruin a, a Robbie Rocco or a Peter Godinay, and then you're stuck with this dead weight in your side. Yeah, it's a, oh, who knows what Cleary's doing. The Tigers are the worst side to try. It's a massive watch on most of them. Rocco has never been anything great. When he was playing 80 minutes on the edge back in the ninth stage, he was sort of a 50-ish average player, which would make some thorn if that was the case. But, I mean, is he going to play 80 on the edge? He's been playing in the middle the last couple of years. Why the Taylor swap between edge and middle? <laughs> like you said, the bench, you know. I, I honestly have no idea about the Tigers rotation. It's such a different side this year. Chris Lawrence is still hanging around like a, the, uh, a bad partner share as well. So, <laughs> well, I mean, whether he plays, whether he plays eighty minutes on the edge and gets injured and misses five games, or you know, it's, it's enough. <laughs> or just clearly spell him a bit now, and uh, who knows? Absolute lot with the Tigers. So, to be honest, I'm not really the only Tiger I was interested in was Nock Lerma, and um, now that he's been on the bench there, I've got no interest in any of them. Yeah, it's a pretty big statement by Cleary. I mean, if he's going to drop no Faluma, he'll, he'll drop anyone. So I, I wouldn't want to be having any of them. I'm not. I'm not going near anyone except for Billy's man crush Milne. I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna just keep Milne in my team. I think I just. I could see Milne going in and getting a start in the back row there. But like this week, I could see that even happening, um, or or at least being on the bench. So I think Milne's cheap enough and he's dual where. I'm not going to have any Nuffy there to move around. I may as well just take Milne as a dual second-row forward, centre-wing, and be able to move him around at 192k. Well, I've got zero interest in Milne until he's named in the centres, and whether that happens ever, I don't know. The Tigers have got an absolute horror draw to start the season. Like, a horror draw. It's the worst draw I've ever seen. They're playing all the top sides. They play Storm twice. They'll be 0-7. It's that bad. It's either like uh, league. I think Cleary's. I think Cleary's trying to focus on defence. So I can't see Milne getting a spot anytime soon. To be honest, unless there's like injuries. He picked Kevin Aguama, uh, Malakai was teaming for Lesniak and Corey Thompson over him. So and Mahi Fanu was nowhere to be seen either. So I mean, I don't know what that says, but um, I, there's no way I'm picking Milne at all until he gets named. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it really is just a crapshoot with the Tigers. And it is, it's very much a steer clear. And it, it, you're right about that draw, mate. It's almost like the NRL when, well, Tigers fans think they're going to come last anyway. So 
we may as well screw them over with the bad draw out of everyone and it's not going to make a difference. <laughs> yeah, we finish higher than bloody 14th, I'll be surprised. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know whether you'll get that dream this year, per se, maybe in a couple of years, but uh, we'll see how the Cleary reclamation project of the West Tigers happens. So, I don't, yeah, I think we both agree. I, even the guys that are surprising, I mean, I did look at Rocco, I did look at Godinay, but I probably can't do either of them just because I I don't want to get stuck with any of the dead weight. So, yeah, I think we can move you on. You can't take any move. confidence, though, pretty much. Or even Madalena, they all can, they all wreak a trap, like sort of mid-range, at best mid-range bum that you can't get rid of top of course. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm quite happy just to sit there and see what pans out for the first month for the Tigers before I go anywhere near any of them. Yeah, no, I agree. So let's talk about a side that's um, got slightly better prospects, the Roosters that they're coming up against. Now, this side, so very surprising to me as a Roosters fan. And, you know, I talked to a couple of guys around the traps about the Roosters and stuff, and I tend to like to think that I know about my team. And then this bombshell drops that Dylan is going to be benched and he's in the 14 jumper. And then we've got Takiyaho starting number 10. I did not see that coming at all. And that has made me rethink whether I want SST in my team. And, you know, the kicking as well he might have. And as a starter, they might be more confident in him kicking as well. That's a big change out of that pack. Um, the other one that's interesting for, which me and you were having a bit of a chat about earlier, was Isaac Liu at number 13. I've rated him for a few years now. And the big drawback for him was that Takiyaho would be on the bench and, and basically interchange with him and, and limit his potential minutes and stuff. If that's not going to happen, then Liu could be a sneaky pot as well based on this team list. The rest of the bench, we've got Napa, as we said, Zane Tedavano, Ryan Madison and Victor Radley. So three forward bench, although Radley could play a bit of back row if he needed to. Tedavano, small minutes. you basically got Madison and, and Napa taking the majority of those minutes. So Really interesting forward pack there, Perso, with that little uh, Napa bombshell. Yeah, well, there was a bit of mail around for a while that SFC was going to start a prop, but it was supposed to be at the expense of JWA. But uh, Napa to the bench, oh, this reeks of, oh, I like Isaac Pierre for this. He, I've liked him, like you, I've watched him, liked him a bit when he plays big minutes. He's, sort of, he's pretty handy, supercharged boards. Uh, that bench with Madison and Radley on it, it um, well, surely Lear's going to get 50, 55 minutes. Make some do some money, sort of at a one-ish PPM-ish. SST, back Yaha. Yeah, like, I, like you said, when I thought they were going to, I always thought Lear would start at and SST would uh, sub, sub with him, so what minutes he got. But now that he's starting, I don't know, what, what minutes does he play? JWH doesn't really play. He's getting older. He's playing less minutes. It, it's sort of it's all leaning towards Takiyaho um, and Liu being probably pretty decent looking pods. Yeah, well, I think um, a lot of people are jumping on Takiyaho, but um, I'm I'm wondering myself whether everyone's looking at the wrong bloke because um, Takiyaho is just a shade under 425k. You can get Isaac Liu for 50 grand less. And he is at a 1 ppm just about or close enough to for his whole career. So for 375 grand, as a dual second row front row forward, which we've spoken about being really valuable this year, maybe SST's value shoots up and the sneaky option is just to grab Isaac Liu. Yeah, he's very tempting, in my opinion. <laughs> very tempting. Yeah, I mean, have you... Have yeah, you... And 
not getting too many um, prizes with that bench either. When you look at you've got Reese Robinson, Luke Keary, Nathan Butcher, and uh, Lindsay Collins on the extended bench. So if anything, maybe Butcher or Collins might slip in for Radley. But I mean, that's not going to really affect Liu too much it, with Madison and Radley on the bench. I mean, yeah, there's no. Um, I suppose Madison probably can play in the middle more now than on the edge. So he'll probably take minutes off. Um, off Liu. Liu's obviously not going to play 80, but um, even if Liu gets 50, he's going to be a decent option. He's going to make a bit of coin. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, the the concern for me is Madison, um, and I was going to bring that up. Madison uh, put on, I uh, put on about 10 kilos in the last year. He's um he's gotten massive, so he can definitely play middle minutes. And that was that's actually what I thought their plan was going to be. I thought that their lack of uh, middle depth on the bench, so we're going to use Madison in the middle or on the edge, whatever they needed to, and that was going to work out fine. But, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you as a Roosters fan what I take away from Dylan Napa bombshell. I um, I don't necessarily trust it, and that's the other thing that's taking me pause on Liu and Takiyaho. I'm starting to think that maybe it's a couple of things from Robbo. Maybe he's trying to fire Dylan Napa up and put a rocket up him, which he probably needs one after last year. And the second thing is I think that maybe he might be thinking that he needs some impact off his bench and because the Roosters don't have any real big genuine props on the bench, maybe the rotation works better because you have times where Dylan Napa and um, JWH should be off at the same time or thereabouts and it really hurt us up the middle in those prop spots. So I don't know, maybe Robbo is toying around with that, but I I really can't see the next few weeks Dylan Napa still being on the bench, and that kind of worries me a little bit because obviously he's going to take Takiyaho's spot and Takiyaho's going to go back to the bench and maybe that affects Lou. I, I thought it was a little bit messy per se, so I was thinking about steering clear altogether. Yeah, a risky option, sure. <laughs> it's it's a massive doubt uh, over who's going to be the alpha or he's going to spread the minutes uh I think Lou, maybe. I don't know. SST starting at 10. <laughs> That's another watch, really. But, um, yeah, Napa off the bench was a, a strange one. Just if anything, you, you think you'd be stepping up? So. Yeah, I don't see him being on the bench the more I think about it for the next, for more than a couple of weeks. So maybe that screws everything around. Having said that, the thing with uh, Takiyaho that is appealing right now is grabbing a guy for round one that you, that's, Potentially going to be kicking goals against the Tigers this week. You know, you're going to get some at least yeah, some potential decent points early, aren't you? Yeah, and with the Roosters draw, I think he's going to have plenty of cracks at goal. And uh, that could well be the reason why he's starting over Napa as well, because um, Latrell Mitchell is not exactly the greatest goal kicker, and that's the only the second option they've got. So, well, that's. On, uh, there well, obviously, Locke's just middle anyway these days, so Lear goes off, Napa goes on, and um, Dacchio's back to Locke, maybe, I don't know. So, yeah, so that probably uh, hurts. Um, you don't know. Yeah, it probably also, I guess, the other thing, the knock-on effect is it kind of hurts Latrell's value a bit, doesn't it? Because um, I think a few people, including me, thought that Latrell would get the kicking just because he was going to be starting and um, Takia would probably be on the bench. But now that... Takiyaho is starting. If Mitchell's not kicking, that takes a little bit of gloss on having him as well. Yeah, unless you're backing Mitchell to have a bit of a breakout season, uh, which I think he might do. Uh, he's <laughs> certainly he's uh, he's got a pretty good matchup round one. The, the rotted on the defence is hideous, but um, 
Yeah, I think me and Billy were talking about that, and we both sort of agreed that um, he's a consideration if he's kicking. But we couldn't we couldn't handle his low base in some of those games with his work rate and stuff. But if he's not kicking, I I'd personally rather have Tupo for that that initial draw. And I, I don't want to start talking about Tupo because I know about your love for Toops as well. Yeah, no, we'll keep him quiet. <laughs> the only other big uh, backline change was. Um, Mitchell Cornish, who's just coming in for Luke Keary, so it's nothing significant there. Cornish won't even be on the bench once um, once Keary comes back, so that's not no, going to be a big deal. Keary's in the 19, so in, they reckon he might be right for round one anyway, so I won't be surprised if Cornish doesn't even play round one. Yeah, I think so too. That extended bench that you mentioned, that's probably the only difference that it's going to have on the back line, Keary coming in and Cornish going left right out. I, I don't think that um, anyone else in the extended bench is going to come in anyway. If Nat Butcher does, might be, like you said, at the expense of Victor Radley because Nat Butcher can um, play a little bit of hooker. He's done a little bit of it before, so that would work. But the Roosters really like Radley. They really like Madison. They can't afford not to have Tedavano for his size at middle minutes. And um, obviously Napa is still there, so I don't even see the bench changing, to be honest. So pretty boring, Perso. Yeah. What, what do you reckon, 52-4? to four? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. One of those great ones again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Boyd Cordner for a double. Yeah, it won't surprise me at all. I'm not looking forward to round one <laughs> for, for that game, but uh, I'll be working anyway, so I won't for it. Yeah, well, some really interesting ones there for the Roosters. It certainly um, made me think about a couple of selections in that team. The next one is the Rabbitohs versus the Warriors. This one's being played in Perth, which is a big deal because. The Rabbitohs have a decent record there and the Warriors uh, have an atrocious one, which you can understand having to travel all the way over to Perth from New Zealand. A couple of big ins, one being that Greg Inglis is fit for round one and he's playing, and that's good for Bunnies fans. Robert Jennings and uh, Richie Kenner ended up winning each of the wing spots. I've got Richie Kenner in my team at the moment, so I was pretty happy about that. Few Again, it seems to be all these Ford packs seem to be the ones that are throwing spanners everywhere, just about every team. Big forward pack news was that Mark Nichols has got the starting number 10 jersey at the moment based on the team list. Sam Burgess has gone back to 13, even though he was meant to be playing on an edge. Cam Murray, everyone's favourite son of the uh, off-season, is uh, in jumper number 14. So people were worried about, is Cam going to get uh, 80 minutes or is he going to get 60 minutes? Well, he's in jumper 14 now, so that's a bit of a headache for a few coaches. And... Then we've also got uh, Damien Cook winning the number nine jersey, which was some good news, with Tavita Totola as the number 17, who I don't know too much about. So, per se, that forward pack, winners got to be Damien Cook. Potential, I don't know what's going to happen, would be a Mark Nichols. And uh, big losers got to be Cam Murray, right? No, 100%. Cook's sort of looming pretty sort of mustish, really. Yeah. As long as Barrett goes away from the side, even if Cook was only playing 65, 70 minutes, you've got to take him. Still, his record in um, big net games, he's pretty good. So he's uh, firm that should be pretty much looking at everyone's side. Nichols as well. You think he'd probably get 40 minutes at 192K. He's a dual. You're probably going to be looking at him as well with the lack of cheapies around. For me, uh, the interesting thing is Nichols 192k, probably dual. You're going to be um, looking seriously at him. But uh, the interesting thing is the back row of Sutton, Crichton, and Burgess pretty well stays the same. With that bench of Murray, I don't think Murray's irrelevant with that. Burgess obviously can slip anywhere 
and he'll play probably 65-ish minutes. Fumo Moana on the bench is uh, interesting. Sutton obviously won't play 80, so, and Fumo is more of an edge. Does Crichton play 80? That's the big question that I can't tell from that side. Yeah, I wasn't sure either. Um, I I was thinking that he doesn't, but then I looked over and saw John Sutton there and went, well, it's not like John Sutton's going to play 80 either. I just can't get out of my head, and this is sort of where I'm at about him not playing 80. I can't get out of my head that they were talking all preseason about Sam Burgess being on an edge, and he ends up in the 13 jumper. When he was talked about being on the edge, I know that you agreed with me on this. I, I always thought that he was going to move into the middle at some stage of the game anyway. Now I'm starting to think that that back row tells me that maybe he goes from moving in the middle into the edge instead, and it's just a reverse. Yeah, which is what he did last year. Yeah, and that and but does that come at the expense of you know a Crichton and because you've got like you said Fumano, Fumano and um, Sam Burgess both going onto the edges. Could be at the expense of some in minutes for John Sutton and Angus Crichton. Yeah, well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, you man not to play Crichton for Artie. He's, he's a weapon, but um, he's had a few niggles over the off season and lost fingers, and he's moving on next season as well. So, I mean, there's, there's question marks around, which we won't really know until game time. Yeah, well, I think Sam Burgess is a big winner as well, actually, because um, I, I had him on my side at the moment, and I'm pretty happy that I got him. He's back at 13, but it seems that he's you know, he's the only one that's not really going to be affected by anything, really, and I think he's a pretty good buy, actually, now that I see the team list. Do you know, do you, what are you expecting from Mark Nichols? You, you're thinking that he'll probably get 40 minutes. You don't think that he might drop out of the side and somebody else start or something weird like that? No, he's the Seabolt turns to be pretty keen on him all through the trials, and he's, he's been there and thereabouts. Uh, I'd say um, he's the man. But, but he, he's not going to play massive minutes. Yeah. Uh, even though he's capable of it, he, um, had a, he had a pretty good run a couple of years ago when he filled in at the Raiders, playing about 50 minutes. He's a one PPM player, so definitely going to take a punt with him, I think, with the lack of uh, cheapies around. Yeah, so definitely, yeah, Mark Nichols and um, Sam Burgess are the two interesting ones for me, with Murray obviously being, I think, dead for everyone. He really should be if he's starting on that bench at that, that sort of cost. The uh, the backs were pretty good as well, like I mentioned, uh, but the um, the extended bench, Heimel Hunt is there. Hopefully he doesn't worry any of us and um, take one of those wing spots or, or something like that to get rid of a Jennings or a Kenner if anyone's got those guys, but... Uh, Farrah's lurking there in number 18, but I really don't see Farrah pushing his way onto that bench. You don't see him coming in, do you, Persa? No, I don't really. The only one I could possibly see coming out of the extended bench is Jason Clark in for um, the young bloke in 17, possibly, but I don't see much changing in that south side. Yeah. Unless there's someone with an injury injury needle or something that's going to drop out, but aside from that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the good thing with these guys is that they get to play the Warriors first round. So guys like Richie Kenner you know, could, could easily score a double against the Warriors in Perth, which would be nice. So kind of looking forward to having a couple of these rabbits at least. So let's talk about that Warriors side. They've got their own couple of changes that we weren't expecting. The back line is, is pretty much as we expected. The forward pack, we've got Liggy Sow at 13 and uh, Isaiah Papali at, at Jersey 11 with the news that um, Simon Mannering will be at for a minimum of five weeks, it looks like. So that's some big news as well. And 
other than that, we've got Sam Cook that's made his way onto the bench after the news that Nathaniel Roach will be out. So they do have that three-forward bench with uh, Pulo, Lissoni and Bunty Afoa. So there's a few interesting ones there. Again, though, Perso, it's this forward pack that's a real nightmare and I, I can't figure it out. And it's also got guys like Jazz Tavaga who could um, who could also take Cook's spot, uh, jersey number 18. Uh, Ignatius Parsi, who I was actually pretty big on, that got injured in one of the trials and was meant to be right for round one, I thought. He's in jumper 21, so I could definitely see him coming in. What do you make of the pack rotation? Well, on paper, that, that forward back's the worst forward back I've seen since the uh, Gold Coast Giants first forward back in 1988, I reckon. It's <laughs> It's pretty bad. <laughs> Tony Harris must be looking around when he packs the scrum just thinking, what the hell did I do? Uh, I mean, uh, it looks like Mattering was going back to the edge this year as well, so... Papa Lee is a, uh, a massive trap, I think. As soon as Manorin's good, he'll, he'll disappear and Manorin will slot on the left edge. Tohu's playing the right edge, which is interesting, running off SJ. Mm. But uh, the, the trap central, that pack, yeah. you couldn't go near any of them. I mean, Warriors, cheap Warriors forwards have been uh, perennially massive traps and Soggy Sayo and all these guys. <laughs> and uh, I can't and for Bali and Gabo's already priced at where he is. Adam Blair, obviously, like you can get near any of them. So I thought uh, Pulu and uh, Parsley play might start through all the trials, and then Pulu's on the bench. Parsley got injured, and he's named an extended bench. Does he? So I mean, afar as well. Right, uh, can't get near any of them. It, it's trap central that side, and they're going to get towed up by the bunnies. Yeah, I think so as well. They don't have a really poor record in Perth. And geez, I, I was actually I was quite excited for Parsi to a degree for only 300k dual front row, second row forward, starting on an edge. But um, just even if he comes into that starting side now, I, I can't even do it because it's just it's too much all over the shop that he might just not get the minutes or he could get benched at any point. Yeah, so I agree with you. I don't think he can go near any of those guys. It'd be a big error if anyone wants to jump on a Papali or a, a Sal. Um, or anything like that. Just it could change next week, so you pretty much got to stay away from all of them. Um, and I don't really see probably the worst part per so I don't really see any big winners from all these changes either. It's like there's all these traps that have come in, yeah. and um, and no one's really going to benefit anyway. No, I, I worry is at bottom four for me this year. It's a big spoon chance, I think. But um, yeah, that side's horrible. One the thing only one you'd go anywhere near would. With the SJ, but even at his price, price is 72 average, you're going to watch him as well. Yeah, I was going to bring up SJ actually, because um, I reckon that this does ind- indirectly affect him a little bit. He's, um, I mean, the Warriors forward packs have been up and down for years, but like you said, this is a horrible pack. And as we know, when you're playing footy and you're a halfback, if you don't have a pack that goes forward or gets dominated, you're in a lot of trouble. So, I mean, these, these pack changes that they've put in, that could have a, a bad effect on SJ as well, couldn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, especially without mannering in the side as well. But Blake Green's going to help SJ this year, but uh, they're only as good as the forward pack, and uh, that forward pack's horrible. The thing is, mate, I'm, you say that about the forward pack, and I was going to like skim over the back line to, um, to have a bit of a chat about <laughs> like out of outside of Roger and the half. <laughs> like, they've got their centres and wingers. I mean, 
David Fusatua, yeah. future immortal Peter Hiku, Solomon Carter, who had six good games and then just stopped playing, Ken Mamolo. That's not much better than the Ford pack, really, is it? No, nah, it's pretty ordinary. There's a lot of love for Peter Hiku at the moment. I'm not down near him. Yeah, if for some reason I'm getting a couple of tries early on and looks like making money round three, I might bring him in to make some cash or something. But um, I mean, he's not going to lose money across what he is, but he, yeah, oh, I can't go near any of the bastards. No, and like, that's the thing too. Like I said, it, it's detrimental to SJ with this forward pack. It's probably detrimental to the whole team because the, the problem is if you have a team that's going to get towed up because they're just not any good, it, um, the, the attacking players are the ones that suffer because you just... You're spending half your time standing behind the goalpost watching conversions. And you know, if you've got a back like a Peter Hiku or something, your chances are very minimal of getting those attacking stats while your forward pack sucks and your back line doesn't look much better and you're getting pumped by 50 points. So I was I was pretty reasonably on Hiku and I thought it was you know pretty safe. But um, the more I look at this side, and when you actually see it on paper, it really is a sight to behold and how bad it is. I I can't go near it. Um, I know that you mentioned probably the only other one that we'll finish up on with the Warriors. You mentioned you got some Tohu Harris interests, and he's in that number twelve jumper running off SJ. Is looking at that side. <laughs> do you still have interest in him, or are you just thinking that the the way that side's made up, you just can't do that either? No, there's some interest there, but yeah, that side. No, I'm just I'm quite happy just to sit there and not pick any Warriors around one. See how they go. So I can't see much fire in that pack, really. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about team lists for the Warriors is going to be making sure you pick up whoever's playing them. So <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to the Bulldogs versus Storm on Saturday night, the last game of Super Saturday. Bulldogs have pretty much been how we thought with a couple of small forward pack changes. Those are Denny Falalo is starting 13, which is quite interesting because Adam Elliott, they were pretty high on. He played City Country last year. I thought he was starting 13 for sure, so that's a big call. Raymond Fatala Mariner got that number 12 jersey, which we're hoping for. So I've been massive on him all preseason, perso, and um, I reckon he's a really underrated, under-the-radar guy to make some good cash and get some good points. So I'm happy he's there. And the bench makeup, aside from Adam Elliott, we had Aidan Tolman, which was expected, as was Eastwood. Jeremy Marshall King makes his way there, which um, will probably take some minutes off uh, Michael Lisher and stop the 80-minute dream from him. Other than that, everything was um, pretty much as we thought. The extended bench, there isn't too much there that's going to worry anyone. Kerrit Holland is there, but aside from that, really, it's probably going to stay 1-17 to by what it looks like. So, I mean, that forward pack person. Yeah, you think so. Yeah. I you mean, think so. I mean, that's pretty much... Everything they've been touted. Uh, Rome Fatara Melina, he's been um, mentioned ever since Pay took over that he was going to get a start on that edge. And uh, rightly so, too. He looks a bit of a talented player. Uh, I've got a fair bit of interest in him. Fulalo, I think, sort of falls in that uh, trappish sort of spot. There's of Elliot, Tolman, Eastwood on the bench, three middle forwards on the bench. Whether Mariner plays um, 60 minutes, I don't know. They've got the option of putting Elliott on the edge because he played a good edge last year as well. Uh, or even Eastwood played edge last year. So well, that's another one of those new coaches, new rotations. Wait and see. But um, at 310k, he's probably worth a punt. He's uh, got a good offload in him. He'd rain off good lines. 
off forward as well. He's, he's probably uh, definitely worth a look. Well, the, the dogs are an interesting side for me. Um, see how they go and they're paying a whole new culture change there. I mean, they've still got a pretty talented side on paper. Yeah. It's, uh, or expect a, a totally different sort of style of play from them this year. But um, when you go through that lineup, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> after talking about the Warriors and you're talking about the dogs, there's, there's a lot of class in that Bulldog side on paper. Yeah, I think the only thing is that um, the big question mark is uh, as far as how far they go is going to be their house. I mean, the Ford pack's great. The the pack's fantastic, especially if you put you know Adam Elliott in that number thirteen jersey. That whole Ford pack's great. I love it. And their then their bench is strong with the Tolman and Eastwood on there. It's really you know Kieran Foran is going to be the key. And I was chatting to a mate of mine today. Actually, he's a mad Bulldogs fan, and you know he's saying to me, "Oh, you know Foran's a great signing." So, mate, he's going to play twelve games this year. You're gonna, he, he might be, he, he could, he could be good, but he could also be in the Super League in eighteen months just because he can't play NRL anymore. I and mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, so I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if he ended up you know, playing in the Super League in eighteen months' time either, because he can't, he just can't play NRL games anymore. Kieran Foran, but you know, that's the big question mark. Obviously, early on, it's going to be fine. But if they if they have Foran go down, obviously, just having Matt Frawley there in the halves. They um they don't have a creative number nine. It's it's going to push I guess push Moses Embi back into the halves and he can't really take control of the side either. So I think that's where it's really going to be the big question marks, person. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't mind the look of Embi at fullback, but um, yeah, definitely massive question marks on Warren and uh, for all in the halves. But um, the back will still be competitive. Uh, Woods is a sneaky bit of an option there for Supercoach. Even Jackson at 487 goes, been named captain, he'll play 80. Could be a bit of a sneaky pride, but yeah, sort of a watch and look again with the rotation. Yeah, I think it's a watch on, on most of them. I think that the, definitely the big winner is going to be for Taylor Mariner. And I think it's it's absolutely crazy that he that hardly anyone's looking at him. Um, I can't believe it. He's a, he's a great buy. He's he's a big winner there. Probably Michael Leisha is a little bit of a loser for those that were expecting him to get eighty. It looks like he's not going to be doing that. But other than that, you know, I think everyone's stocks pretty much stayed the same. But the storm, on the other hand, Cameron Munster's stock went up because uh, I like him a lot better at fullback, and he's going to be starting there for Billy Slater, who got ruled out for round one. No, I don't think he'll play fullback. No, what do you think the late changes? Uh, Young Tonomapia coming yeah, in. Yeah, Tonomapia will go to fullback. Munster will go to five eight. Jacks will go to the bench, and the Stimson will drop out. Yep, there you go, everyone. You heard it here first. I reckon Perso is pretty much on the money. But um, if uh, Munster can get some games at fullback, I like him a lot better there. Oh yeah, Riley Jacks gets a number six jumper, and then other than that, the Ford pack, which. Completely bucks the trend of every team we've spoken about is exactly as per program, exactly what we thought would happen. I guess with the only small exception maybe being, you know, some people might have thought that Tim Glasby would start, but, you know, it's pretty much exactly what we thought. Yeah, Glasby will still take the bulk of the minutes in that prop spot too, so um, Solomona will be trap a few people in there. No Cassiano to be seen, which is, um, he was trap central as well. Yeah, I, I think Cassiano... Has a good shot of coming onto the bench. I don't see, um, I don't see why someone as astute as Bellamy puts him through a grueling off season and gets him fit and ready to go and and doesn't play a Cassiano. So, yeah, I'd I'd be surprised. But then again, I'm looking at the bench and you know, obviously Glasby's 
going to play. You'd expect Kenny Bromwich to play. Christian Welsh is pretty highly rated. Maybe, you know, maybe Joe Stimson comes out for a, a Sam Cassiano, but then you've got probably too many middles there. Yeah, uh, Stimson will drop out for sure. That's the with this side with Slater being rested, so he can play his three hundredth game at Army Park in round two. I don't think there's anything wrong with his shoulder. That's all they're doing. Yep. Munster will play 5-8. Jax will go back to the bench like he did last year. It's happened so many times and Simpson will drop out. Jax might come on in the last seven minutes or something to rest Smith if they're up against the dogs. Yeah, so I don't really see any big winners or losers out of this one. It's um, it's pretty standard aside from Billy Slater being out, really. Yeah, pretty much. And to be honest, per se, like, um, the Storm's got a good draw, but um, I... Even in the off season, and even now they're at TLT. I haven't really been able to bring myself to buy any of these guys. Um, you know, I like the draw; they're a great side. They're going to score some good points. But aside from Cameron Smith, I haven't really been able to consider any of the rest of them. Aside from Cameron Smith, who's getting dangerously uh, high ownership to leave out. <laughs> He's at that point now where, like, if if he does go berserk and you don't have him, you're going to suffer. Aside from him and Will Chambers, I've got not much interest in anyone else. Yeah, I saw a couple of the of the Supercoach guys that were um, blogging on Fox today with the TLT coming out, talking about having Curtis Scott in their side, which I was really surprised about. I, I couldn't believe any of those guys would buy Curtis Scott, but um, they've, they've nailed him as a pod apparently, so we'll see what happens there. So this is a that was a bit of a boring one for the Storm, but you know that's kind of how they play as well, wrestling everyone to death, so... Let's move on to the Panthers versus the Eels. This is a bit more of an exciting matchup, and I don't know why, but Panthers and Eels, they're just two teams that I find myself looking at a lot of their players for a couple of years now. Just got a lot of guys that I really like. The Panthers team, uh, a couple of um, interesting developments. The back line is pretty much as we thought, and you know, Jason Maloney's come out and confirmed again, Nathan Cleary's definitely kicking. There's never any worry about that. The Ford pack, though, in the number 11 jumper, we've got Kikau starting, apparently. And that's a that's a pretty big one because I think that a number of us, including me and you probably, Perso, were hoping that Kikau would get some good minutes just off the bench, let alone actually snagging that starting jumper. So that's uh, got Corey Harawira Naira on the bench. I thought that he'd be starting. There was some mail today that James Fisher-Harris might start, but he's in the number 17 jumper. And the rest of the bench, we've got Moses Leota, who makes it up with Sam McKendry. So some small changes there per se, but pretty interesting in that pack nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Kikau is obviously looking like a must now. He's not going to play 80 minutes, obviously, but um, even if he does swap back, he's going to get some decent minutes. At 192K, he's going to make money. Dual front row, uh, mate, second row forward as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's an interesting bench that it looks like Marin might uh, benefit out of that, possibly. Yeah, there's a, that's a good one to bring up because there's a lot of guys asking now, is, is that bench going to hurt Marin or not? So, I mean, how do you see Marin's you know, rotation of minutes going, looking at that bench, how it is? Well, I see our channel on the bench is going to, obviously, he'll come off a kick out at some stage. Uh, you would think Gentry's not a big minute player at all. We rotate with Tamo. Leota and uh, JFH. Well, JFH plays middle and it's so not quite sure, but um, none of those guys have established themselves as big minute middle players. So it looks like Merrin, pending on RCG, who I think could possibly have a, um, 
a breakout season this season, but it remains to be seen. Merrin should be good for at least 60, 65 minutes. Uh, so, and he's fairly underpriced. And he's uh, fairly under-owned too, actually, for the price of him. Oh, mate, I, I can't believe it. He's in the pod at the moment. So, um, yeah, I can't believe it. 518K, he's um, definitely worth a, a punt. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, I've spoken to you about Merrin before as well. Everyone that knows me knows I'm, I'm a massive, massive Trent Merrin fan in real life and also in um, in Supercoach. No, even more so if Hook wasn't catching the biggest issue. Oh, yeah, look, if we can get an 80-minute Merrin one day, look out, it's going to be the new. Like, he um, he's, he's just such a beast. And I was talking about it with a few of the guys that um, that were worried about the minutes before TLT that um, you know he only needs 55 anyway. Even if he gets 55 minutes at his price, he's still going to produce. So if he can get 60, it's just gold. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you. A few people were a bit worried about this bench, and I sort of I thought it was fine, and I was sticking sticking with Merrin. I, I've seen a few people tonight drop him and uh, move him on for, for other guys just because there's four forwards on the bench. I like Merrin as much as I did before. And if he gets if he gets 60 to 65, like you said, Perso, he's gold. He's um, going to score great points. I mean, I think the numbers were pretty close to 70 points a game last year in his games where he did go over 60 minutes. So he's um, he's looking really good. I agree with him. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to punt on him. Only other change with that, uh, DWZ, not likely to play, I don't think so. If he doesn't, that uh, Crichton will come in on the wing there. But, um, but there's always an act apparently going to be ready for round two or three. But... Um, the other interesting one there is Mansell, Barnsley. I would be interested to see what you think of him. Peachy on his inside's a, a, a bit of a downer, but um, he seems to have a trend the last couple of years when he's got injured. And he's, had, he's had a gun year, then he's got injured and been a little bit average, then had a gun year again, injured. This year, by that trend, he's here for another gun year. But um, 451k is a bit cheaper than some of the other options. Yeah, I um, I wasn't interested in him. I wouldn't say at all because I do rate him, but um, I, he was never in my side or my plans. I've only just found myself today thinking about it. And the reason the reason he wasn't was just because he's just been so up and down with his games played and stuff. And I've spoken about it in the preseason that he, he still didn't look too confident last year. He said in a few interviews, you know, he wasn't even confident jumping up for the ball and you could see how he was catching it and stuff. And his work rate offloads and tackle breaks have gone down and that was his staple of why he was such a good super coach. So, you know, he had 51-point average last year, had the 63 before that, which was good, and then the 54 before that. So I just couldn't bring myself to, to spend the 450K. But like you said, he um, it is every second year that he goes well and this is the... Um, the year that he's meant to go well based on the patterns. And then on top of that as well, he's not got Peachy inside him. So that definitely, uh, wearing a Blake there instead of Peachy, I think definitely helps him. I mean, people should, you know, reconsider him because of that. The other thing... Oh, I think Peachy will play left. You reckon? I reckon, yeah. Oh, well. I can uh, be right. So I'm quite happy to, to leave Mantor and uh, Cracker as well, which is another one we'll get to soon, but... They're both popular. I'm quite happy to leave the pair of them out. Yeah, I, I have left the pair of them out. I haven't even thought about Croker. 
Um, but I did think about Mansour today. You got me at a bit of a weak point because I saw that um, PG wasn't there and I thought, oh, and a lot of guys were talking about him. But I probably just can't do it for the 450K. And the other thing too, which I looked at earlier, was um, the Panthers don't have a, a bad draw, but it's not a fantastic draw either. So The biggest thing that turned me off was the Panthers' trial form was terrible. Yeah, they <laughs> lost to the... Great oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it is a trial, and I mentioned that tonight. You know, you oh, can't do a trial, but I watched that first half, and yeah, <laughs> I know it's a trial, but standing and it was ordinary. So, yeah, they, look, they've been perennial underachievers, really, um, of late. They should have done better last year as well than what they did. So, and they they didn't even score that many points last year compared to what they should have, um, particularly the first half of the season. So, yeah. I'm quite happy to stay away from Mansour at that price as well, but I will admit that I had a bit of a look at him for the first time today and thought about it. Other than that, there's no one on the extended bench for the Panthers that is really going to make a difference. Aside from Tim Brown's there, the perennial plotter, he's a solid player, Tim Brown. But um, if anything, you know, he might take a he might take a spot at the end of the bench to give him another big prop, I guess. But probably not. I think it stays pretty much the same. Let's talk about the Eels, though, Perso. So coming up against the Eels, and what I reckon is a good. Good matchup for the two West sides. The big ones are really going to be the makeup of the bench. We're talking about it for all preseason with a lot of guys. About Kane Evans was one that came up. Um, you know, then he looked like he was going to be starting, or he looked like he was going to be getting big minutes, and then he didn't jump at seventeen. So he looks like the trap that he has been for the last five years yet, ah. yet again. Kane Evans is the perennial trap. Near. <laughs> No, I, I've been I've been watching him play 50-odd minutes in that World Club Challenge game a couple of years ago, and he was going to be the next big thing, and then picking him up, and he was just a bastard. No, I can't hear him. No, I'm the same. I don't even think he can play big minutes. You know, This is a thing when you look at small samples with good PPMs. He's, he's played 37 minutes a game, which is his high. I don't think he's played above 30 any other year in his career. I don't actually think he can do it. So yeah, yeah. And you, you look at the way Arthur rotates his props as well. He um, doesn't give any of them big minutes. No, and, and now look, and he's got Madigan on the bench as well, along with both Scots. So. Yeah, it's not going to change. Yeah, so um, Madigan, both Scott, Kane Evans on the bench, along with Brad Takarangi, means that Will Smith, the Fresh Prince, did not make the bench. I predicted that he would. I thought that he would. I'm still thinking about whether he might be a late inclusion, but at the moment he's not there. So the big thing is, per se, with these guys, Daniel Alvaro got the starting prop spot, which is good for him. But mostly the starting side was about what we thought it would be, with the knock-on effect being, with no Will Smith, a lot of guys are asking questions about Nathan Brown now, which um, I've sort of talked to a few people off the off the ledge and said, don't do it, just leave Nathan Brown in your side. He only needs 60 minutes anyway. Yeah, no, it's not going to affect Nathan Brown at all. He's always the alpha. He, he slots into the prop rotation anyway. Did, um, there's a few people sniffing around thinking Alvaro might have been a sneaky bit of an option pending a, a Will Smith bench, but Brown's um, still going to get 65 minutes minimum, and that's all he needs. He's underpriced anyway because of the five games he played at the start of the bench. So right, he's a he's one of the first picks for me and spotted straight in. Not a hesitation. Oh, he was exactly the same for me, Perso. I um I couldn't wait to get him in my side this year. Said to you before and a few other boys, he's he's a new Paul Gallon for me. I reckon he's that consistent and that good. He's just a beast. And there's no there's no one close in that pack to how good Nathan Brown is. So that's the other thing when you're looking at minutes and forward forward benches and stuff. It, it affects guys that are decent, but 
it rarely affects guys that are your number one alpha forward in your pack. You just because you, you can't afford to take those guys off, and you don't want it. You want to win football games, so yeah. Oh, yeah and he's a, he's a mongrel. He's got a good offload. He's their best player yep. in their pack. That's for sure. Uh, I'm still still Tigers are letting go when Mick Potter was captain. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've, all, I've always rated Nathan Brown. He was a bit loose back in the earlier days, but yeah, he's a great he's a great talent. Yeah, oh, I love him. Well, one of my new favourite players, I think. So looking at the extended bench, because that's the other thing that's interesting. I mentioned we got Will Smith there. Kenny G, Kenny Edwards, he's uh, he's on the bench as well, along with David Gower, who I thought was been pretty good in bursts off the bench for them. And Kaiser Pritchard's there with Cameron King snagging the number nine spot. But Kaiser's been pretty highly rated, and I thought he did all right last year too. So, I mean... Yeah. I don't think that's going to change much. Steel's have got really good depth there. Yeah. yeah, but um, I think Arthur will go with what he's done with there. I, I honestly don't think that'll change much. Yeah, I wasn't sure, to be honest. I didn't know what to make of it at all because, like I said, those four guys on the extended bench all played well last year, towards the back end especially. So, yeah, I, I wasn't sure. But, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, the big takeaways for the Eels team per se is just going to be hold on to Nathan Brown and don't panic. If you got him, you got him for a reason. No, Bo Scott plays middle now, so Bo Scott comes on, he'll play lock, Brown will push into the prop. And uh, so that's why it is. You can forget about Alvaro, Mano, McTungy and um, Evans. None of them are an option, I think. Yep. So early on the season, uh, Brown's not going to play 80, but 60-65 um, is plenty. That's all he needs. Yep. Especially priced for those five games off the bench to start the year last year and then that one game he had where he scored like eight or something I think with an early ten minute HIA. You're not gonna lose any money. Yeah. If you do, if you like Brown, definitely you you're picking him. I don't I don't understand anyone that wants to get rid of him. Yeah, I don't either. And it's only a matter of time before Tepo Moroa and um and these sort of guys get injured or Tim Manor like Yeah, hundred percent. And that, that that's gonna happen with this Ford pack. Aside from a Manu Mao who I really like, the pack's pretty I wouldn't say weak because I think they're, they're solid, but they've just got a lot of solid guys rather than any great players in that pack. So, yeah, let's um, let's move on to the last game, per so Titans versus Raiders on Sunday. So, yeah, one for the ages, that'll be. Oh, look, I'm sure it'll be on um, replay on, on Fox Legendary Games for years to come, and we can all record it on our, on our Foxtel and watch it over and over again. The um, Titans team has actually improved quite a bit the last few months. I was talking to a mate of mine about that today as well, that, um, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to go well this year at all. But um, in saying that, pretty astute buys in the last few months with guys like Michael Gordon and um, and Bryce Cartwright coming in, which will help them be a bit more competitive. So the, the couple of um, the couple of big ones for TLT for the Titans. Philip Semi comes on the wing. Don't know anything about Philip Semi myself, so you can tell me all about him in a minute, Perso. Joy Arrow snagged the number eight jersey, which we're talking about, along with uh, Lilani Latu. One of those guys is going to drop off once Wallace comes back, so that's a big watch. Then the back row, Bryce Cartwright did get that 13 jersey, which was uh, a bit of a talking point about whether he's going to get an edge jersey, whether he's going to get the number 13, or whether he's going to get a bench role to start with. So that's good for Bryce Cartwright owners, and um, I don't think I would hesitate if you had to start him at 5'8 or something. I think it's okay now, whereas I saw a couple of teams of guys didn't want to be stuck having to start him. That's all fine. The bench, we've got a hooker on there in Mitch Rain, which is interesting. 
Max King, Will Matthews has been able to be a hooker before for the Dragons, otherwise a back rower. Morgan Boyle is the other one. The extended bench, it's probably only Greenwood who I thought might have got a might have got a job, along with some talk that maybe Brimson would unseat one of the halves, but I didn't think that was going to happen anyway. So, I mean, per so for you, I guess the big question that I'm interested in how you see it, you know, Jai Arrow and Lalani Latu, which one of these guys drops out for Wallace and, you know, how do you see each of their values based on the TLT today? Oh, I can almost guarantee it'll be Arrow that drops out for Wallace. Even just by being named in number eight, I reckon. <laughs> yep. But, uh, and all the other talk we had earlier in the season, but yeah, I'll, I'll, Lulani Lato is getting pretty close to a must have at 270k. Good person, 30am. He should see 45, 50 minutes, you would think, looking at that bench. There's not a lot of um, cheap options around. Oh, he's close. Arrow, he'll probably score pretty decent in the first couple of rounds. Um, he, he's got a big. Uh, a big mode as, as well, so but Wallace comes back arrows off the bench. Especially with um the Cartwright signing, that was the one that killed Arrow. Yeah, for sure. I think a few people are gonna be trapped on Arrow because I still seen him a fair few sides. I uh, was talking to some guys in a head to head comp today and um and a couple of them were talking about their teams and I wasn't gonna do that before Thursday. <laughs> a couple of them were talking about having Arrow in there and I was I was thinking, geez, it's um I didn't think he was still inside. So, yeah, I'd be staying off Arrow at the moment. Latu I, is an interesting character. I um, wasn't that I wasn't that into Latu initially. But now that I've seen that bench, uh, I think that I probably have to just bite the bullet and pay 270k for him, like you said. Do you know much about Philip Semi, Perso, this winger that they've put in here? Uh, he played a couple of games last year. He's in, obviously, because Branko loses out injured. What his uh, job security is like, I don't know. Tyro Roberts um, Davis is on the bench as well, so I think uh, he's probably a pretty volatile, cheapy. He's not even that cheap. He's two thirty four k, so I think I'd probably I'd, I'd lean more towards a Kenner than Sammy if I had the choice. Yeah, and that's just based on the Titans probably not being very good in the draw that they have got as well. Yeah, that and. Um, Anything can happen with that backline as well. It's it's one of those backlines that's it, it's effective at times, but it's pretty ugly to look at, isn't it? No, it's hard. It's a bit of a bit of a mismatch of a million different journeymen and players that couldn't work out, like Conrad Harrell and Copley and these sort of blokes. But um, yeah, yeah. Michael Gordon's an interesting one for me. I, I think you could have actually a little bit of a cameo season for the Titans. Playing in the side like that, he'd probably be a bit more involved than he has been in the last few years, and he'd be kicking goals over Ash Taylor as well. So, Yeah, the goal-kicking made me look at him as well. I just don't know how many guys the Titans have got in him, but Kane Elgie could possibly be the forgotten man there at 5'8", uh, at 260k as well, but I don't have any confidence that he's going to go well either. I don't know, I think the Titans will finish ahead of the Warriors this year, but I don't know about too many more. Yeah, it's pretty much like Michael Gordon. I, I, I looked at just to make sure that I was right in leaving him out, and he was five hundred one thousand, and that pretty much decided that I couldn't put him in playing for the Titans at five hundred grand. But his goal kicking will be interesting if they can. Um, I mean, they did overachieve last year. Really, they've they've overachieved a lot of the time they've been in the league, the Titans. So, you know, if maybe they can prove us wrong, they have made a couple of astute signings, but. 
Pretty much, yeah. I think the takeaways, Perso, I agree with you. Latu's, I'm going to have to put him in my side somehow. Don't put in Jai Arrow. And probably don't pick any of the backs. So let's move on to their uh, opposition here. I'm a lot more excited about, particularly because they are playing the Titans, um, the Canberra Raiders. This was one of the more um, stock standard teams with, you know, probably the one exception in the pack. Joseph Tuppany got the number 12 jersey, which is really interesting to me because I really rate him. And in limited minutes, he's um, shown a lot of ability, some nice attack and some good offloads and stuff as well. Um, so he was probably the only one that no one um, no one saw coming that much as a starter or at least in the projected teams. Havili, as expected, got the starting hooking role with uh, Caesar and Sam Williams in the halves. Blake Austin at 14 was a big change and he's... He's going to come on, and the the word was today that Aiden Caesar is going to actually go into number nine, and Blake Austin was going to go into the halves rather than hooker. Um, I heard that today. Uh, I'm not really sure what way he's going to do it, but either way, Havili's not getting 80 minutes. But at his price, like I said with Slade Griffin, I'm probably just going to stick with him anyway. The rest of the bench after Austin, we've got Luke Bateman, Janamis Louie, and Soliola. So. I guess first of all, Perso, Joseph Tarpany, have you have you looked at him much and are you considering him now? No, I definitely in both counts. Um don't know whether I can because uh there's a lot of good roots forwards that I'm sort of trying to load up on the back row. But um yeah, they made that change like last year. Whitehead you know, the last three or four years, uh, three or four rounds of last year, played lock and Tarpany went to the edge. Uh, it's not really any surprise they continue with that because it worked reasonably well. What sort uh, of minutes do you think you'll get? Oh, it's happening to play 80, I reckon, on the edge. Look at that bench. Geez, 80 on the edge. I think I'm going to have to find a way to get him in my side. And like, this is a really good comparison point, Perso, because he's Taki Aho's 423 grand and Joseph Tarpany's 421,000. And I'd much prefer Joseph Tarpany at 80 minutes than. Um, and risking Takiaho. And on top of that, the Raiders draw is quite nice with the, the Titans round one. And then, um, in your own words, the worst forward pack since 1988 in round three, the New Zealand Warriors. No, oh, the Raiders draw is soft as a two-minute egg. <laughs> uh, I, don't know, I don't know how confident I am in the Raiders being competitive this year either. That's, that's the one thing looking at draws. But um, yeah, there's a lot of points to... Um, Pick up guys like the Parley and the Barnett and those sort of players. But um, interesting to see last year they they really struggled the uh, the halves. Uh, obviously, pretty um, Stewart decided to, to split Caesar and Austin. So um, Williams and Caesar, be interesting to see if that goes gels any better. Do you think it's going to be better for the the backs not to have Austin there? No, it can't be any worse. They were they're just the outside backs didn't get any ball last year. Yeah, definitely. Are you sort of are you pretty much seeing Austin just coming on in sort of a twenty twenty five minute role and that's it? Or like how do you sort of make this six, seven and, and fourteen rotation? Austin Lara being the fourteen will be the bench utility, I reckon. Um pretty similar to what he was at the Tigers a couple of years ago. He'll come on and play hooker. I I don't like a Billy at all as an option. Yeah, very slow growing cow. But he'll make money, but um I won't be surprised if he only plays sort of 35, 40 minutes, 45 minutes a game. I mean, you don't know, but um, with Austin on the bench, I think Austin will spend most of his time at hooker. Yeah, I mean, 
it's it's a bit of a conundrum for me because I don't want to spend on that second hooker spot, and Havili probably only needs fifty minutes to be reasonably relevant. So I think I'm going to bite the bullet and just run the gauntlet and hope he gets fifty minutes. Yeah. A fifty minute Havili, I reckon I'll get you about thirty points. I'm really not keen on Havili. I'm um, it's the way I'm looking at it at the moment, I think it's looking like a Smith Cook combination. The hooker is just pretty much almost a must. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's really hard if you don't want to spend on on the two hooker spots. Well, I mean, I'm Smith's ownership. I don't think I can risk not having. Well, the reverse the reverse can be true as well. If Smith has a reasonably slow start, yeah. then if, was a, if I was going to reverse, you'd be trying to take a punt on someone that's going to be playing eighty and. Like, like, like last year where McCullough and uh, McInnes scored him for the first eight rounds. Yes. I mean, you're, going to be, you're going to be taking a punt on Lyker to do the same type of thing. Well, it's his starting cook. That's, I mean, that's or been my plan. Really, and, and, oh, yeah, I, I really don't like Cavilli. Yeah. Um, I'm just starting him just to save my cash, mate. I think I'm just going to just buy the bullet. Yeah. And, if he's, and if he's crap, I'll, just, I'll take it as a... As an NPR and um, figure that out later, I just have to make sure the cook doesn't get hurt. So, I mean, I guess that's the other thing too with um, looking at these hooker spots for me. I, I've done a similar to you. I've stacked my back row and I probably won't be able to do that if I have a Smith at hooker. But um, I've basically banked on basically banked on Cook being able to put out similar points to Smith and then hope a heap of people captured Smith of that 50% and he doesn't go as well as what. He should, and maybe I can make some ground up that way. But I'm probably wrong, like I am most years, and I'll, I'll probably regret it. So I'll uh, I'll listen to this pod perso afterwards and cry myself to sleep that you told me so on Havili, and, <laughs> and I'll try and waste all my trades and move on. <laughs> I just got a vibe about Havili. Eh? I could well be wrong. Havili might be the best cash out of the year, but I, I just got a vibe that this reeks of like slow growing 30. 40 scores. Yeah, I can see the 40s. And to be honest, I'd be fine enough with 40s. But if it was less than 40s, it's, it's a bit of a drama. Um, the extended bench, I, the other thing on the extended bench is that they do have Craig Garvey there. And I I do rate Garvey better than Havili. And I did think that Garvey was going to be the starting hooker for a long time, like I think a lot of people did. And I had Garvey initially in my first team that I did so. I don't think that at the moment they can possibly put Garvey in, but certainly it's a risk down the track with Havili that they, um, after a couple of weeks, they think Havili's a dud and they just put Garvey in there instead and drop Havili to New South Wales Cup. That could happen. Yeah, I don't know. what the, All reports that track for you, Garvey was always the man, but Havili's beaten into the sports uh, through the off-season. Was, I don't know if Garvey was slow or whatever. Something would have happened there, but uh, uh, who knows what they're going to do. Oh, the Raiders are going to struggle massively without Josh Hodgson. That's um, the biggest thing when you're looking at their, even with their draw they've got. It's, their attack is nowhere near as direct as it is when Hodgson's playing. Yeah, I, um, I'm i in two minds about that. Like I, I initially thought that, but then I also thought to myself that um, Hodgson is a lot like your mate Robbie Farrer at the Tigers. He doesn't really give his his halves or his backs very much ball at all. He runs it a lot, gives him late ball, and probably doesn't help anyone. Whereas I was thinking with a Havili or especially a Garvey, they were going to get a lot better service and maybe the backs would be able to function a bit better. 
uh, without Hodgson sort of playing for himself. So I'm kind of in two minds about it. I mean, the problem is, though, that with that second theory, it relies on the halves actually doing something with the ball when they get it. And that's the thing. Hodgson probably could have given them the ball early last season and they wouldn't have been able to do much anyway because they were both hopeless. So it's a bit of a tough one. Yeah, two years ago they um, finished second on the back of Hodgson. <laughs> and um, the last year they were fucking useless. So yeah. I don't know. Well, I've got no, I, I think Raiders are a big chance of finishing bottom four this year. That's why I'm hesitant to look at their early draw. Wow. And um, think that it's gonna, they're going to go all right. But I, I can't say the Raiders and you look at where the Raiders were last year and the sides around them. A lot of the sides around them have uh, purchased fairly well. In I don't think the Raiders have purchased well at all. They didn't have the money to. They were pretty much broke as far as their caps. So. I, I can't see any improvement in them. I think it's a long year for the Raiders themselves. I could see them not being the eight, but I can't see them being in bottom four. So I'm, I'm against you on that one. And the reason I can see him being in the eight or, or thereabouts is only because this start of the year I could see him firing a little bit with that draw and if they get the easy wins up, they can go on a bit of a roll, which the Raiders do tend to do. You know, if they're on a bad roll, it's pretty bad. It's a bit of a death spiral. But if they're on a good roll, they tend to get a bit of momentum. So um, I do have uh, Jordan Rapana, but I also, you know, my one punch in my back line that's probably not going to work is I do have BJ Leilua at the moment, who I know that you hate as well. <laughs> that's that's my punt, and I, I actually went I went BJ over Croker actually because I just don't like Croker's Croker's floor, and even like when he scores big, it's it's really just from goal kicking and scoring a try. Whereas Lua can score big from the offloads and and everything else if you can get some of those back. And he's he's priced you know hundred yeah, grand less or something. <laughs> one year I don't like either of them. <laughs> <laughs> BJ's a bum. He oh. um, he had one good season. And last year he went back to the way he was for the rest of his Supercars career. I, I don't know. I couldn't take him at all. So I saw any sign of something happening. The only one out of them, Rapana. Rapana's an out-and-out gun. He, he's going to score well no matter what. Yeah, Lalu is cheap. And I don't think... <laughs> if Lalu doesn't average more than 50 this year, it won't surprise me. All right. Well, I'm going to say that Lalu is going to average 55-plus. And we'll come back to this at the end of the season and we'll see how we go. <laughs> I think the, the big and final question for you, Perso, is that everybody wants an answer on. Have you put Rapana in your team and have you reversed him yet for us? No, nah, he's 100% locked in. Oh, geez, I'm going to have to put him out there. He's going to score 35 points this week. Perso, for everyone that doesn't know, reversed Rapana about 78 times last year. And every time Perso hit reverse, I think it gave him an extra 10 points that week. So. Uh, Rapata just went yeah, on a massive he'll probably screen. Come out and, he'll come out and never sub 10, for sure. <laughs> Round one, very often. Oh, man. Well, I've got him as well, so I'll ride with you. Was there anything else on the Raiders that stood out for you? No, it's pretty standard. You know, the side was pretty uh, as much as you expect. Gov missing the bench. Chris is obviously on the, um, the rehab group, so you got Bateman and Louie. Uh, Doing it with Louis interesting. I don't know how many minutes he'll play, but um, yeah, pretty stock standard. Shannon Boyd doesn't play many minutes. Paul Arrow only plays sort of 45 ish, so that's the middle forward to take those. Whitehead, slightly interesting playing 80. Um, I don't know if he'll play 80. He played one or two games at 80 at Lock last year. 
it didn't score um, as good as Tupini did on playing only on the edge. So. Yeah, he was 54 last year. The problem, I, I looked at Whitehead when he got that 13 jersey, but he's, he's 480 grand. And um, yeah. when he Good when he him. when he did that sixty one point average in twenty sixteen, I'm pretty sure he was on the back of a lot of tries. He had a couple of games of five eight as well. We were getting hands on the ball a lot more. Yeah, so we'll see what happens on the Raiders. I'm pretty sure they're going to carve the Titans up this week, though. So looking forward to a Joey, Joey Leilua ton and a Jordan Rapana Rapana one hundred and fifty as my captain. Maybe three hundred points from him. And um, that probably wraps us up for TLT, Perso. So um, thanks a lot for jumping on. It's been a pleasure, like always. I'm sure we'll see you again sometime soon. Yeah, yeah three weeks should be good. Uh, super catch in the air, I suppose. Footy. <laughs> oh, man, can't wait. Looking forward to the kickoff. All right, mate, take care of yourself. I'll chat to you later. No worries, mate. Catch you. Thanks, everyone, for listening, guys. You can download us at uh, SoundCloud. Follow me, uh, Barnsey. Or you can now uh, actually grab us on iTunes, which we are now on, and you can get all our episodes there. And we'll exit out with some Pearl Jam, like always. Thanks very much for listening. Yeah.